0: Welcome to the Specify Growth Podcast. I'm your host, Tats Nakagawa of Castagra Products. Each week, I talk to leaders and experts about how to overcome adversity, grow massive organizations, and how to create meaningful change in the building materials and construction industry. Today's guest is Todd Juilliard. He's the Associate science and technology studio business leader at HED. Todd, thank you. Thank you for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So you've gotten into architecture even in, for a while. Your schooling yeah. is is that way. I mean, when you were growing up, was that interest as well? Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's funny that you mentioned that. I wanted to be an architect
1: since age 10. I, and I don't know why. I didn't know an architect. I really didn't meet one. I just uh, something that uh, one day I decided that I'd like to, to look at drawings and I like, you know, that I wanted to create them. So, you know, starting out, uh, <laughs> you draw a house plan or something of that sort. And for a little while, I wanted to design cars. That was another. So maybe that's the art piece of it. Yeah. So when I decided to to go into college and, and to do this for for a living, it was very different from what I thought it was. I still liked it, so
0: yeah, yeah. What what did you think it was? What what was it in actuality? Well, you know, you see it on you know
1: TV or whatever, 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 whatever. Mostly, I thought it was that I would be drawing like residential plans for my whole life, you know, and that's all I wanted to do is design homes. And uh, oddly enough, I I haven't done that at all. Hardly a little bit in my career, and. It's been a very small part of it, and it's strange because you know I work on mass projects, and they're very different than than when I was younger too. I, What I thought it was all done by one person, and I you know you start to 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 realize that it's done by more than one person. Yeah, so it was just uh, something that's always been a curiosity, and it, it was great that I got to turn it into to a career.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and I noticed that you you kind of and I'm not sure how it comes, but you kind of focus on the science and technology area. How did that sort of evolve?
1: I'm based in the Detroit-like Detroit, Detroit Lake area. So so the like automotives have always been a big part of our work around here. And what happened is just, I kind of stumbled upon working on more technical type of project, like R&D D labs and, you know, larger like industrial work that had a more technical part of it. Uh, stamping plants and paint shops and all kinds of things of that sort, a little more of like the technical side but like of the business. And then I was like able to do some work in mission critical as well. So, you know, data centers and those type of more, call them more, um, you know, like where the building becomes a machine t- type of thing. It's been, but that's been kind of what, what got me into this and, and kept me here. <laughs>
0: Yeah. I mean, when you talk about R&D spaces, you're not talking like, look at the catalog, which one do you want? I mean, how does that begin? It could go in. Yeah. So it's, you know, you have to kind of like understand the business and understand
1: uh, the like user needs, right? You know, you wouldn't design a, like a metal fab lab differently than you would, let's say like a hydrogen lab or not that we design the actual like machines that go inside, but a lot of times, you know, what the building needs to react to the process. And that's where it's been kind of like a sweet spot for us and for myself.
0: Yeah. What what goes into thinking through, like, for instance, a environment in which ideas flow and things happen like what what sort of things that i mean obviously it's client dependent but what sort of things do you bring to the tables or what you've noticed that go into that type of design
1: yeah the biggest
0: part about that
1: is just you know doing the programming piece of it you know it's a little thing that i like to do it's um you know again, it it's cliched but it's designing from the inside out right what's the use like of the building and then working outward and not caring so much about maybe what size the building is at that point or how it's going to, to react. Then I'd like to bring in, we are a full uh, service firm, so we bring in the mechanical and the like, electrical trades to help really build a project that is more collaborative, I suppose, than, than if you were to start maybe with a shell and then kind of start to make it work out. So it's that like inside out like approach. I think would be the biggest thing that that we bring to to like the table. The other part about it is there's so many like other things that, that, that get involved.
0: Does it have enough
1: power? Is there enough utilities around there to support the process?
0: Yeah, for sure. So uh, I guess what are some of the most sort of interesting things you've seen in, in, in that area, like that, that's being done. A few projects
1: that I've been involved in were in they were uh, where you test the aerodynamics, like of a vehicle. And it's amazing because the building actually becomes part of the process. Like, obviously there's a lot of people involved in a project like that. You have a, you have a whole nother group that's really just focused on the like aero dynamics, like of the building, like inside. And then, then you have the architects who then go ahead and, we try to fit it all all together, and then that was probably the most interesting, because when you look at the building, you're like, "Wow, it really is part of the process," which is normally not the case. Normally, you have a, a big industrial shell, and then you have something something like inside of it. The same goes for work that we do in like the science, with labs. A lot of times, the actual lab needs to be designed very specifically differently. But then the workplace side or the uh, storage or what's going on, like, you know, like outside of the building. So with a science project, you really got to know what they are doing. And sometimes it's hard to kind of get that information out, but it does help.
0: Yeah. So, you know, with the pandemic, with the shift to remote hybrid, you name it, what sort of things are you taking into consideration or bringing to client meetings when you're sort of designing for some of the changes that are occurring?
1: With most of the projects that I just uh, mentioned, they all seem to have a workplace component. People got to go somewhere to work. And we are designing Basically, are where where the people are. Let's say because you have the sometimes you have the the, the process in labs, but then the people still need a space to do their work. And we've noticed that that the workplace has significantly changed. We were already starting to go into a change, probably around you know the well, let's say the late two two thousands and to the twenty tens have been to kind of knocking down the walls, kind of speak and creating this open like environment and having like a, you know, like a free addressing style where, you know, you don't have like the sea of uh, uh, what of workstations or cubicles, but the pandemic has changed that before we may design something to 80% capacity. And now we're rethinking that to maybe more of a lower rate because a lot of, a lot of, um, groups do work from home you know, two, three days a week, or or sometimes more, and then so you start to think about well, what's the office to do now? How's it function? Maybe it's more of a like a touch base place, and then you go back to your maybe your home or maybe even a desk to do your own work. So, you know, again, it's a, you know something new that's been just happening in the last really the last year or two. But you know, you have to kind of rethink your space, and we have a lot of uh, clients coming to us and saying, we have all this space and what do we do? We don't need it anymore. So what's it look like? So I don't have the answer yet, but um, we're working on it.
0: (laughs) It's it's always a work in progress. Yeah. I mean, over the years, I mean, where, where have you sort of learned the most, you know, in terms of your craft? Because, you know, as you mentioned, especially these technical projects, you're dealing with a ton of different people. And, you know, if you sort of massed a pool of trusted experts, or how do you sort of navigate the never-ending need to know stuff to put things together? Well, well the beauty like of working in uh, this industry is there's a a
1: lot of different staff and whatnot. least said, like our firm, that we can rely on, and nobody's an expert in like anything. And you really can't be. To be a well-rounded, in my opinion, to be a well-rounded like architect, it's good to know a little bit about, I guess, like, like everything, you know, they call it like the jack of trades. But at the same time, you have to know, you know, and this is something that, that may be good advice for for young, for young architect is you don't always have to have the answer right away. Research, research. That's all I can say. You know, you have to, you have to do your due diligence, you have to check, and you have to ask questions. You know, a lot of times, you know, what in my life industry, we call it problem seeking, right? You want to find the problem. We're problem solvers. And that's what we do. I feel like we do best is a client's got a problem and it may not even be a problem. It may just be like an issue or a project, but how do we attack it and come to a solution that's going to work? And really what I find out is by asking more questions than Anton you know, you can actually get a little more, you you can actually find the root causes. And with that, I believe you can design a better space.
0: Sure. And with designing things, you're always considering different materials to solve different problems. And there's always new things that come up when you're considering to do something new, because there's some risk attached to, to doing something new. What sort of things do you consider uh, in terms of, you know, deciding to go ahead with it or not?
1: Yeah, that's a good one. And there's some risk there there as well. You know, if you're trying to push the like envelope on products is very very tough because everybody's got something, right? You know, if you look up, you can find as many different types of products. When I was starting out, we used to have these big giant green books, and I think that they were by sweets. I think was the company. You can get it online now. But there you would look through and find 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 the product. Now it's Yeah. What, again, it's, uh, you know, you never want to be the first one to try something that's brand new. That's kind of a risky thing. So a lot of times, you know, to reduce maybe your exposure or, or, or your risk, you find something that's been used in a similar manner or, or way. And then, but one thing that, that we need to think of more is the way we did things maybe years ago is should not be the way we operate now. So the pushing that the like envelope. And we're currently doing that on a couple of projects. We are we're pushing the envelope. And luckily with some client help and some client like, expertise, they help out as well. I I really want to say I'm proud to work with a lot of my clients who who may build a lot of like buildings and it usually works with a bigger corporate type of client. A lot of times they have like a building group that actually helps like an assists our teams. It's a good collaboration. We bought heads a lot, but at the same time, we we come across with some great ideas and they do as well. I mean, th- th- there's other things you can do too. You can do mock-up walls. You can have it, you know, bl- 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 like tested and all these things. Most of the products though, that are kind of in the bigger realm of scope are, have already been tried and true to kind of speak. I, I, I like, I, I don't know if anybody's coming out with anything that's, and unless you want to three d print a building uh, which is coming, <laughs> you know that's something new.
0: What are the challenges of just getting to that sort of three d printing almost everything
1: right now? I know that they there's a uh, where they I think with some some uh, some university help they're actually printing a uh, concrete home in three d printing it, so all the you know like all the you know like the parameters like of the walls and all of the pieces are kind of built in little, you know, it's like a layer of a cake. And, and um, I wouldn't be surprised if we see this more and more just because of the like, you know, the like automation part of it is kind of like intriguing. Like, like, I don't think you could ever build anything big scale at least maybe not in our lifetime, but I think it at, at some point it's got the viability. I mean, it's definitely Taking like over the model, uh, you know, we used to build these like models, like out of uh, plastics and cardboard and all all these different things. And right now they're 3D printed. You you really don't have to cut each piece. Like, so it's, you know, it's the optimization really that, that I think is the like intriguing part of that.
0: Sure, absolutely. And in terms of the architecture industry as a whole, what what are the the biggest challenges or the biggest opportunities to improve?
1: Really, I think really the value of the of the architect and the the early planning. A lot of times, you know, we um, we're brought on, and it may be kind of too late to make a big impact or or change. And I think that 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 architects can do like a better job of. Helping out, you know, the client in the early parts of a of a project, even if it's just talking about it, and to see what is the best approach. I think that the programming piece gets um, re- really pushed down quickly, because um, a lot of times they may have a budget or a project that uh, that they need to get like off, off the ground. Another thing that I think that you know their architects we could do better at is our, our collaboration with the contractors. And most of my successful projects, we've worked very closely as a team with the contractor and not have this two, you know, us versus them mentality rather than going in as a team. I found that that's a better approach and it, it alleviates a lot of the questions and the problems that's, that tend to, you know, that tend to pop up. But again, the owner is a big part in that too. So, so you can like, like almost start to see this triangle effect, right? Where it's owner, architect, and kind of living in one, one piece and really the goal of building a successful project that, that's built well, it's built to scope, it's not over budget and it's, uh, you know, and, you know, you kind of create, you know, like a successful piece of architecture, which I think is important. So really getting like, like out of that role, like, well, we can't, you know, do that type of work or we don't want to team up with the contractor, I think is, depending like on the project, is the wrong approach.
0: Yeah. In your opinion, what do you think drives the decision around, you know, what architectural firm gets selected over another?
1: Yeah, I think it's mostly, again, I think that's, you know, you know, what it what you have to follow, follow like the money trail. And it tends to go right to the owner, how they select an architect is mostly based off of how they really view the profession and what they see in it. Again, uh, um, you know, you know, but I'll go back to to the most successful projects are the ones where it was a team approach rather than a you know sealed competitive bid. Nobody knows the project well; it's it could be a very loose plan or a loose, loose like RFP. Whereas if they hired an architect earlier on, it could have been a little more concrete and, and a little less like ambiguous. So it's that piece of um, Trust, you know, again, I find that when your owner has trust in you and, you know, and, and knows, that, knows that you have his back or her back, and, you know, what the work can be done and done very well. I, I'm a big fan of team approach. And you know, if we can go, go into the, the uh, like a project, like as a team owner, architect, and if the contractor's on board, it, that's great too. I always felt it's always been a better approach.
0: Yeah. So is your opinion. It's uh, the difference between what one firm being selected for a project or not sounds like it's relational and things that you can do to build trust via maybe past projects or just anything in works and, and stuff that you've done.
1: Yeah. I mean, I truly am a, a, a true believer that there's the right architect for the right project for the right client. And, and you know, and trying to find that. I mean, we're, you know, uh, we're not alone. And um, I would uh, feel, feel that most firms would 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 feel the same way. I mean, certain firms and like our, like architects specialize in a certain, uh, and, you know, they're really good at it. And that's great. And we need to support that. That's important.
0: Yeah. You know, just sort of going back to when you first started architecture, would you have done anything differently? Or would you have given your Younger self, any any tips coming (laughs) through?
1: Some of the best advice I think I've uh, I've already said. Some of it is ask questions. You know, question what you're doing, why you're doing it. Don't be afraid uh, to make a mistake. Not 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 again. Yeah, I've had many sleepless nights when I was you know even now and even when I was younger of like oh boy I'm gonna not do this right and you know somebody's going to be upset. You know it's most of the times, no, it, you know, people, people like understand, you know, so, you know, because if you don't make a mistake, you may not learn uh, like a good lesson there. So uh, another piece of advice would be to make sure and this is more like on the people who supervise, give somebody a chance. You might be surprised. I was very fortunate early in my career to have a, to, you know, to have a lot of uh, leeway and a lot of responsibility. And I loved it. I wouldn't take that back. So, to, you know, they have responsibility early in your career only makes you a better look at your craft, right. You know, that, you know, they try to push it.
0: Sure. Absolutely. Is there anything that I did not ask you, but you wanted to cover? No,
1: I think we, I think we covered quite a broad spectrum of things. So I do like appreciate your uh, time with this.
0: Yeah. Well, Todd, thank you so much for uh, sharing your expertise and your story. Oh, great. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Specified Growth Podcast today. Make sure you check out youtube.com forward slash Tats Talks for video of today's podcast. Hit the subscribe button for upcoming episodes.